We have a very sacred Sunday coming up, and that is Miracle Sunday on November 19th. Uh, some of you are going, woo, because you go to our church. Some of you are new to our church. You're going, why are we wooing? Well, uh, let me talk about it a little bit. Thank you, Freddie. Appreciate you. Come back up at the end. Um, let, me, um, let, me, let me walk you through a little bit of this. Uh, by, by first maybe just taking this, this poll, if you would. If you, are, if you are new to our church in 2023, if, if you found us in 2023, can I see your hand? In 20, okay, so a lot of you, okay. Our church has grown a lot. So, welcome. So this, this will be new to you, and I want to talk to you for a second. Um, we receive a one-time over and above normal giving offering um, one time a year. We call it Miracle Sunday. We call it the Miracle Offering. Why do you call it a Miracle Offering? Because we, we need a miracle. Because <laughs> we need a building. We need, we need a miracle, and we're believing God for a miracle. And we want to give our church the opportunity once a year to not only be a part of the miracle that is City Light Church, but also um, expect God to do something incredible in your life. And we call it over and above giving because if, you, if you're a normal giver, this would be above that. If you never give, this would be above that. So anything above zero, okay? But, and a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people do not give, but then they give at Miracle Offering and go, hey, I didn't die. We still ate. And then, and then a lot of people go, OMG, we just, God blessed us. Wow, look at that miracle. That man, look what God did there. Look what. And so we give people the opportunity every year to do this. We have done this five years in a row. Every year of our church, we have received a miracle offering. And uh, right now, we need it for, our, for, for that building uh, that we are uh, aggressively, let me, let me give you a good report about that. Phase one of the building, which is our current land and our current building, that's phase one. We're working on phase two, but phase one is a $16 million project. Can I give you good news? Yes. We have already paid 5.9 million of that down. Now, if we go the conventional way and we take a loan and, and we do... 8%, whatever it is right now, on a million bucks a year times 15. You know that we will pay 700,000 on every million. Man, I should have been a banker. <laughs> you don't know what I'm saying? Jeez. So just by already now paying 6 million, that's six times 700,000. I don't even know what that is, but that we have not given to the bank that we've been able to keep in ministry over 15 years. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So, because you're going, well, you, we already got the loan. We have the loan, but we haven't touched it yet. And some, something weird in me just goes, well, let's not touch it. Let's just not go there. I, I had a friend this week that I talked to who owed 16 million. I just think it's interesting that he owed, six, he owed 16 million and a man who did not know Jesus met him and said, I'm not a Christian, I'm not gonna become a Christian, but I really like what you do for our community. What's your debt? 16 million, and he gave him $16 million check and paid off his bill, that was just a few years ago, he just told me this story this week. I don't know, I'm just in a crazy mood. I've been on vacation, I've been on rest. I, I, I'm, forgive me for anything I say today. 
So, so thank you. So we're, so we're giving, we're giving to a specific need, but let me say this. There will be a day that we'll have no needs, that our ministry will be debt free and that we'll, we'll pay cash on anything the Lord leads us to do. But let me tell you this, we'll never stop doing this, a miracle offering, because one day we're going to be able to be a miracle for other ministries. And we will give God's honest truth. We will give millions away to missions and to ministries and help other ministers preach the gospel. Just, just this week, I went to Dallas, Texas, and I preached for a friend of mine. And uh, they felt so compelled by what we're doing that they gave us, you, us, that building, they gave us $60,000 this week towards that building. Isn't that awesome? Well, hey, that's a blessing, but I, I can't wait till we get to be that blessing. Uh, and so at the end of every year we do this, it's always in November. So if you want to plan your vacation, you can do that. But, but I want you to be a part of it. You know, Las Vegas is the most unchurched city and Nevada is the most unchurched state in America. Vegas doesn't need less churches needs more churches. Yeah. And Vegas, I'll be honest, needs churches like this. Yes. And, I'm, and I'm grateful for the part that we get to play in this city. Yeah. I do believe that that building is not a luxury. I believe it is a necessity. Very good. Um, in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, I, I just don't, pastors can't be, can't be leasing because, man, they could lose buildings quick. They say the wrong thing. They get canceled. They get I'm just be honest with you. I believe, I believe we need a house where we can minister and preach the Bible and have a place to meet. I actually really believe that. Uh, the scripture said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider what you ought to do uh, during this time. It's, again, it's November 19th, so you have a few weeks to pray. And I'm, I'm just asking you to... Ask God. In John chapter two, verse five, Mary looked at the servants and, and said this about Jesus. She said, just do whatever he tells you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, whatever he says, do it. Jamin, how much should I give? Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to give. We have, we have received uh, as little as a dollar from a child's lemonade stand who wanted to be a part of the miracle offering. We've received as much as a $100,000 gift. We, we will receive maybe a million-dollar gift. I'd love that. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I would love that. It's, it's all just going to go right to that building. It's just going to pay off the debt. Whatever it might be, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. You just have to obey the Holy Spirit. And here's what I truly believe. If you'll obey, and if I'll obey, and if we will all obey, God's going to do this thing. God's going to do this thing. And, and let me just explain that to you. You go, well, how, how have we already paid $5.9 million down on this? Because of miracle offering. Yes. And because of really wise stewardship. We, every penny that comes in above our normal budget goes right to the building. Yeah. Every penny. If we, if we get a penny above budget, it goes to the building. And we're just paying it off, paying it off, pay, aggressively paying it off. Uh, the concrete's been ordered. The steel is, is done. The steel is ordered. It's done. Um, uh, the, the, all the footings have been, uh, whatever, dug, 
And, and this thing's happening and in, in a year's time, a year from right now, we will be in that building. And uh, I, o- I only say this because it would be a miracle. I believe we can move into that building debt-free. In Jesus' name. Oh, give me a golf clap. Give me something. This. Now, I'm going to give you a quick testimony. We're going to go to the word. There will be those who will be offended. Every year, a couple of people. And when I say a couple, I literally mean a couple. We'll go, he's talking about money too much. We're out of here. It's all about a building. We're out of here. It's like, all right. There will be a couple who are unmoved. Eh, we'll let them give. Eh, it's all good. Whatever. They'll figure it out. But then there are many who can look back on miracle offering and go, number one, God did something in me. Number two, God did something for me. And my prayer is that you will be a part of that group. So we're starting a new series, Legacy, a house for the next generation. Because we are not building that building for me, for my ego, or for my name. We are building that building for the next generation. We are building a house for the next generation. We're building a church where children can worship, youth can worship, where your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren can be radically impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Legacy is something valuable left to someone else. It's the long-lasting impact of a person's life. When all of us in this room, if the Lord tarries, we all die and we all get buried. Can I tell you that building's still gonna be there? And those seven acres will never be a brothel. They'll never be a liquor store. They'll never be a dispensary. They'll never be a casino. Until Jesus comes back, that building will be the house of God for the glory of God. Amen. That's a legacy. You know, a lot of you, a lot of hands went up, probably 50%. You're, you're sitting in a legacy. Other people gave. Even to get into this high school, we were meeting in a little storefront right down on Warm Springs. And for us to make, we were, we were out of room and we had nowhere to go. And people gave sacrificially, even for this, to get here. You're sitting in a legacy. Now, you're, what, what others did for you, you're now going to be able to do for others. So I want to read you a scripture that I've never preached from, Mark chapter 10. I've never preached this scripture. As Jesus was starting out of his way to Jerusalem, a man came up to him, and he knelt down, and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Jesus was not saying he's not God. He was saying, you don't think I'm God. So let's not play games. (laughs) But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You're a good Jewish boy. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely. Don't cheat on anyone. Uh, Don't cheat anyone. Don't honor. uh, Make sure to honor your father and mother. He goes, teacher, teacher. He basically cuts him off. Teacher, um, I I know all that. I've obeyed all those commandments since I was young. What he's saying is, I'm following the rules, but I'm empty inside. I'm obeying what I know to obey, but there's a hole in my heart. So looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
He goes, oh, I know what you're missing. I know what you're missing. There is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus is not asking anyone in this room to go sell everything you own and give it. Here's what he, he's saying. You, something's got to prick your heart. Then come follow me. And as this man, look, watch what happens. At, at this, at this news, at this command, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he, he, he had many possessions. Jesus looked around. He said to his disciples, how hard is it for rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Let me tell you why. He's saying that to his disciples who were business owners. Read the scripture. They had homes and they had boats and they had stuff. And he's going, it's hard for rich people to go to heaven. They're going, oh man, we got, we got stuff, right? The disciples were astounded that who in the world can be saved? They're, they're asking that for themselves. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. I love this. Like Peter again, like this a little bit. We've given up everything, Lord. (laughs) Tell me I'm going to heaven, preacher. Like we've given up everything, Lord. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother, father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return 100 times as many houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property along with persecution and in the world to come. That person will have eternal life. I want to talk about why generosity. If you leave this church today and you never come back, don't forget this sermon. If you leave this church today and you start going to the crossing, don't forget this sermon. If you leave this church today and start going to Holy Spirit Catholic Church, don't forget this sermon. If you leave this church today and decide to become a Mormon, I don't know, don't, don't forget. If you become an atheist, don't forget this sermon. Because what I'm, I'm asking you to practice this somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead with you as a generous person. I'm going to plead with you to become generous. Very good. Why generosity? Holy Spirit, help me. I haven't preached in five weeks, and I kind of feel like I forgot. <laughs> Give me grace. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. I missed you, by the way. Can I just say that? Man, I missed you. You're the best people in the world. People said, are you going to do that every year? I said, unless the Lord tells me to, never. I hated it. I loved it. Let me just talk for a second. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even say hi to y'all. I forgot how to. I haven't been around people in five weeks. I loved it because it was a beautiful time with our family. It was a, it was a, a brain break that I desperately needed as I've been preaching for a long time. Um, and it was, it was just the, the best time with our family. But I'm telling you right now. Boy, I missed you, and uh, I'm asking the Lord not to tell me to do that ever again. <laughs> Amen. I took Goldie to Chick-fil-A 
uh, to eat, and um, I ordered a salad, amen, with grilled chicken, because <laughs> praise the Lord. And she got her little kid's meal, and I'm eating the salad, and she's eating her chicken strips and her French fries, and, and I go, hey, can I have a fry? She just looks at me, never takes, never takes her eyes off of me, and just puts her hand on the fry container. <laughs> I go, is that a yes? She goes, Dad, these are my fries. And I just, but she's sick, so what am I gonna do? But I just wanted to look at her and go, every one of those fries is my fry. I wanted to show her my credit cards and go, I paid for those fries. Chick fil A did not donate to Javen Chavez Ministries. I bought you those fries. Those are my fries. I think, I think when the Holy Spirit challenges us in generosity, I think, I think sometimes we can go, God, those are my fries. And the Lord's going, they're my fries. Those are mine. I created those potatoes. I, those, are, those are my friend. That's mine. <laughs> and, and the God who provided the fries is going to provide more fries. Because the fact is, if I took a fry, she wasn't going to go hungry. And when God asks you for something, it's, it's never to take from you. It's to get something into your life. It's often said that Christianity is a relationship, not religion. This, is, this isn't religion. This is relationship. And I would agree, but let me go further in explanation. Christianity is all about the heart. It is about the deep core of who you are. It's about the real you. It's not about ticking boxes. It's not about doing good things. It's not about, I got to church. It's about heart transformation. Listen to me, this rich young ruler, as the fathers have called him, he, he had religion, but God did not have his heart. He followed the commands that were easy for him to follow, but refused to surrender his life to the lordship of Jesus. Let me just say it like, like this. For every one of you, there will be things in this book that are easy to do because of your personality, because of your upbringing, because of your proclivities, because of just because of how you were raised, whatever. You'll read something and you go, oh, that's easy. Yep. That's not lordship. Lordship doesn't begin till agreement ends. Lordship doesn't begin until you go, Lord, I'm not going to do that. But I did all this, and God goes, well, I, but I don't want all that because that didn't require heart. That required head. That's going to require heart. Now, I'm not just talking money. I'm talking any area of your life. For some of you, you refuse to forgive. Others of you, you refuse to walk in purity. For some of you, you, you refuse to, whatever it might be, I promise you the Holy Spirit has his finger on something, and he's going, until I'm Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. See, we, 
we all have to eventually give up our idols. Can you believe this is my homecoming sermon? I haven't been here in five weeks. And an idol is not a statue. An idol is anything that has lordship. Let me, let me say it like this. Your God is whoever calls the shots. Your God is your decision maker. So when he hears the call of Jesus, you know what happened? The, the Bible says he, he got sad and he walked away. A lot of theologians argue that this should have been the replacement for Judas. That Jesus was going to call him to be one of his disciples and to follow him. and He was, he was going to replace Judas. He, he missed his moment because he could not let go of his idol. So why generosity? Generosity sets me free from greed. Generosity sets me free from greed. I don't know how else to say it. it if, if you want to know where you're at with your relationship with money and with greed, I, I have to bring generosity into the equation. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17 says, command those who are rich. You're like, sweet, not me. No, if you make over $30,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I think we've seen that over the last year. But to put their hope in God. Notice that you can only put your hope in one thing. Who richly provides us with everything. Now watch this, for our enjoyment. God's not against money. God's not against you having money. Just command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Just willing. Do I have to give on the 19th? No, but just be willing. Just talk to God about it. Paul just told you how you can enjoy money and not love money. I enjoy wealth, but I don't love wealth. How can I enjoy the blessing of God without falling in love with it? How can I enjoy the blessing of God without it becoming an idol? I'm generous. He said, he'll provide you with everything to enjoy. Just, just do good. Enjoy it with an open hand. Not with a closed fist. Like, Lord, you're letting me borrow this, but if you want it back, it's yours. And if you don't tell me to give it away, then I'll keep it. I'm just, I'm open to the possibilities of Generosity. Whoever said money doesn't make you happy obviously hasn't given enough away. Oh, Jay, money doesn't make you. It makes me happy. No, it really does. It makes me happy when I can give it away. I actually believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I'm not going to open up my bank accounts to you, but I'll tell you, if you saw my bank accounts, you'd go, oh, that guy really believes that stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, I really do. I really do. I really, I really believe this. And there is a joy in being a blessing. There's, there's a joy in just going, I don't know what's going to happen in the economy. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not an idiot. I'm wise. I'm smarter. But Holy Spirit, you trusted me and I'm trusting you. It's like, oh my God, got to hunker down. 
Oh no, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? What's gonna? I don't know. It seems like whatever's coming next is gonna be more bad, right? I mean, are we wa- are we watching the news? Yeah. So so let's not live that way. Friend, you don't pray your way out of greed. You give your way out of greed. Lord, help me not to be greedy. He won't answer that prayer. (laughs) Javen, how do I know I'm greedy? You can't give it away. Jesus said there is a spirit in the world. Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon was the Syrian god of riches. A lot of our modern translations have translated that into money, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, Mammon. Matthew 6, 24, he said, you're you're only gonna be able to serve one and you will, watch this, you will despise the other. Can I be honest? I despise the world system of wealth because it is gross. Because it is all about power and it is all about swag and it's all about how much more I have than you and it's all about the new and the next and none of it's ever content and all of it is is based on abuse. I don't like the spirit of mammon. I like God and I can't serve God and mammon so I'm going to have to choose one and every time I give I put my money and I grab it and I take it out of the spirit of mammon. And I put my money back into the spirit of God. See, there's going to be a spirit on your money. And it's either going to be mammon, which is never enough. I always need another dollar. Or it's going to be the spirit of God. God is my Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. God has made a way. I am in every circumstance. I'm content. Come on, somebody. I want the spirit of God on my money. I don't want it to just say in God we trust. I want to show that it's in God I trust. I'm not asking you to give something you can't give. Listen to me. I'm challenging you, though, to be generous. You know, only 48% of atheists will ever give anything ever in their lifetime. Only 48%. Tells you a lot about why their politics are how they are. They're not generous, so they... They think, well, no one else will be generous, so command the government to be generous for us. But if you're a Christian, 90% of Christians over their lifetime will at least give something. So you might call me an idiot, but I'm better for the world than you are. You might think I'm an idiot for believing this book, but I'm doing a lot more good than you are. You, you, might, you might call me ignorant, but I'm digging wells in Africa. You might call me ignorant, but when, but when there's a need in the world, I'm sending money. <laughs> you might call me a fool, but I fed hundreds of families yesterday. I don't know what, you, I don't know what you're going to do. I... Number two, gener- generosity excuse me, connects me to kingdom purpose. Generosity connects me to kingdom purpose. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his church in Philippi, and he says, it was good for you to share. That word literally means to partner in my troubles. What he's saying is, it was good for you. By the way, it's good for you to give. It's just a good practice 
If you don't want to do it here, don't do it here, but do it somewhere. It's good for you to share, to partner, to link arms with someone in need in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, no one church shared with me, partnered with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once. Wow. And, and, I, and I'm thankful, Philippian church, that when I had a need, you sent it. Watch that. He said, you shared in my ministry. Think about this. You're in Philippi, but you connected yourself to a need in Thessalonica. Now, that don't mean anything today because we can be on an airplane in another side of the world in a couple of hours. But then you didn't leave your town. You didn't leave your street. And Paul goes, your giving is going around the world. You'll never go to Thessalonica, but your money has. You, you, you'll never go to that part of, of, of that world, but, but your ministry has. You're not going to go to a prison, I hope. Amen. <laughs> but we're streaming to incarcerated people right now. 10,000 incarcerated men and women around America will watch this sermon this week around America on devices <laughs> through God behind bars. Dozens right now are watching at Casa Grande right here in Las Vegas and receiving the word through Hope for Prisoners. You're not going to go. I'm not going to go, but we're there. A woman who walked up to me last year and said, you're my pastor. And I said, what's your name? She said, I had cancer. And every time I went in for chemo, I turned on your sermon. And you preached me through cancer. I didn't go. You didn't go, but we were there. Fires in Maui, we're there. Attack in Israel, we're there. In prisons, we're there. There's a need, we're there. Hurricanes down south, we're there. Tornadoes in the south, we're there. Guys planting new churches. We're, we're partnering with the church right now in Portland that is, he's trying his best to break into a very, very tough city. We're there. Nevada Resort, Women's Resource, we're there. Hallelujah. Let's go there through our giving. Wells in Africa, we're there. Six grand a pop. We're, we're digging a couple a year. We're there. Hallelujah. People going to walk up to you in heaven. I go, I know you. You got me water. I ain't get you no water. No, no, I, live in, I lived in Africa. You got me water. I never went to Africa. No, no, we're there. Because Jesus said, if you would even give a cup of cold water in my name, it's like you were doing it for me. You know, you're going to go to heaven one day and Jesus is going to go, thank you so much for visiting me in prison. I never went, I never went to prison, Jesus. I, this is the first time I've seen. No, but, but you partner with that crazy preacher <laughs> who, who preached like, 
like it was thousands and thousands of people in front of him in a high school. No, you, you visited me in Casa Grande. You, how was it? I didn't go. No, no, yeah, you went. You bought me one of those tablets so I could watch the preaching of the gospel. I didn't go. Yeah, you did. Paul goes, I know you never left, you never left Philippi, but you went to Thessalonica. You connect to kingdom purpose. You reach the most unreached, unchurched city in America, in the most unchurched state in America. Literally, the the, the Southern Baptist, whatever denomination, just literally wrote an article. It said, if you're reading this and you're a church planter, would you please prayerfully consider Pahrump, Nevada? They don't have a gospel presence in Pahrump yet. Well, something in me just go, whoa. Let's get on LoopNet. Let's see what we can do. Let's try to buy a little building. Let's do something. Maybe you're going to be the campus pastor for Pahrump. We're going to have to go to Pahrump. You got to connect to kingdom purpose. Paul said this in Ephesians 4.20. He said, if you're a thief, quit stealing. He's talking to, he's talking to freeloaders in the church who refuse to work and refuse to give. And he goes, can you stop doing that? Instead, use your hands for good hard work. He said, can you please go get a J-O-B? Come on, he ain't talking about the, the book of the Bible. Amen. He ain't talking about Job. He's talking about job. He said, can you go get a job? Watch this. And then, watch this. He goes, he goes you need purpose. And then give it. I don't work for a living. I work for a giving. I live to give. And I give to live. Paul says, you're, you're, you're freeloading, but you could actually be a part of something. You know that the majority of those who reach a clear financial goal will usually deal with some kind of depression in their life when they first hit that goal. They hit that, maybe it's 100,000 a year, maybe it's a million, maybe it's this much in savings, whatever it is. They, they, they reach their goal, they're debt-free, they're whatever, and then they go into some kind of weird depression. They go, hey, what's that? Because they had a goal, but then they didn't have purpose after the goal. See, it's only when you give your money a mission, only when you attach it to something significant, only when you connect it to eternity does it bring fulfillment. Paul said, here's what happens when you give 2 Corinthians 9, 12. Two good things will happen as a result of this ministry of giving. Watch that ministry of giving. Everybody say, I'm in the ministry. Come on, one more time like you believe it. I'm in the ministry. Paul said, when you give, you're, you're in the ministry of giving. So are you a pastor? No, no, I'm a giver. You an apostle? No, I'm a giver. You a worship leader? Oh, you don't want to hear me sing. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. I'm in the ministry. I'm more important than that preacher up there because I'm in the ministry of giving. Watch, watch what happens. The needs of the, of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. Cool, that's cool. Yeah, let's pay off the building. Sweet, great but they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Here's, here's what Paul's saying. Because of your giving, praise will erupt in the hearts of the people. So good. So good. Think about the thousands and thousands and thousands who will be saved in that new building. 
Oh yeah, we're going to take care of the need. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but there will be a joyful expression of thanksgiving. He says, he says, this is the ministry of giving. Ministry means to be in full-time service like those who proclaim the gospel. You put your money and you ordain it into the ministry every time you give. Wow. Lastly, why generosity? Oh, let me let me just say this before. Well, put it up, and while I'm putting it, while we're putting it up, this is where I get my pushback every year. The last two are like, yeah, 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 we're bad people. We live in Vegas. We're sinners. We do need to give. That's how people think. When I when I start talking about how good your God is, people, ah, this must be the prosperity gospel. Where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that phrase? Why are you on YouTube so much? Are you a, are you word of faith? Are you, I'm going to read the Bible to you. Is that all right? This sounds like that giving to get stuff. Okay. So relax. God says, here's what happens when you give. Malachi 3.10. Why would you rob God? Marcus referred to Malachi last week, but he didn't, he didn't read it. And I thought it'd be important for me to read it. He said, you robbed me. God, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? Be- because you don't give, verse nine says, you're under a curse. Watch this. Let me just time out real quick. God doesn't curse you because you're his kid. But when you refuse generosity, it's like, okay, if you don't forgive somebody, God doesn't curse you. But that unforgiveness, that bitterness in your heart, it's like a curse. If you don't pray, God doesn't curse you. But if you don't pray, you never get answers. It's like a curse. A prayerless Christian, it's like a curse. A, a, a Christian that does not give never invites the blessing of God into their life. Your whole nation, because you're, you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God said, put me to the test. Put me to the test. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be no room enough to store it. That means you have more than you need. Yes, yes. That's what that means. That is not, I didn't say you get a German vehicle. I didn't say you live in a guard-gated community. I didn't say you get, I'm not saying that. I didn't say you tithe and tomorrow morning you wake up and there's a, uh, you get a new house and there are hundred. I said, relax. I'm saying, well, man, I can't give, I can't give 10%. You know what? I would, I would let God do something with 90% before I ever did anything with 100%. Amen. Amen. When you, when you tithe, when you give, when we, because he said tithe and offering. So when we give an offering, we give God the opportunity to get involved with our finances. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, I'm sorry I didn't give it to them in the back, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, uh, I, I love how he starts, he says, remember the farmer. And then he says, those who, uh, so sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who so generously will reap 
generously. But Paul says, remember the, when you give, watch this, when you give, remember the farmer. Everybody say, remember the farmer. Every time you give, you ought to think like a farmer. You walk up to those little giving boxes on your way out today, think like a farmer. You go on citylightvegas.com and you give, or you text 84321 and you give, think like a farmer. A farmer doesn't cry over sown seed. I just really want these tomato seeds so bad. I just, oh God. He goes, well, I'll see you in a couple of months. When you give, it doesn't leave your life. When you give, it goes into your future. I didn't say you're going to be a millionaire if you give. Relax. I'm saying you can, you can give like a farmer gives. Well, the rich young ruler, I need the... Oh, man, I'm already out of time. Come on up, guys. Uh, the, rich, the rich young ruler hears Jesus' call. We, we got to get back to the text. And Peter said, Lord, we gave up everything for you. Verse 28, we gave up everything for you. And Jesus goes, yeah. See, because, guys, he missed the whole principle. If he would have given he would no longer have to be his own provider. I would have been his provider. And anytime you give up anything for me, you will receive, verse 28, uh, verse 30, excuse me, in this life, 100-fold. Okay, let's talk about 100-fold for a second. Are you saying, Javen, that if I give a dollar, I'm gonna get a dollar? No, and I don't think that's what the Lord meant. Here's what I think he meant. You know, I left my home at 19 to follow God. My wife left her home at 18 the day after she graduated. God, Jesus, I don't even think she was 18 yet. (laughs) After she graduated high school to follow God. gave up everything for this. I gave up brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers for this. I'm just telling you, I'm 40 years old now. I can talk like this now. I know I look 12. (laughs) You know, Goldie's going to go to Ruby's birthday tonight. Because I got homes. (laughs) I got their house if I get in trouble I'm going to stay at Omar's (laughs) and we gave up a lot for this but Goldie's got siblings and she's got mamas and daddies and uncles and aunties I hope you're hearing what I'm saying we gave up a lot for this but but I'm not saying I own a hundred homes I don't I own one but I got homes I look around this, I could just start naming names. When I, when I did not know what to do in 2020, and I thought, it's over for this church, I had a conversation with Chris. 
and you brought me, um, what's that unhealthy coffee place called? What's that called? Uh, Dutch Brothers. And Chris is a retired police officer from Oakland. You're a hero, by the way. He's an African-American man. And that, that will be important in a moment because I was trying to navigate the craziness of 2020. And we sat for four hours in the lobby of that church, six feet apart, amen. I don't think we did. And he just walked me through life. As an older man. And I had a, I had a father in that moment to walk me through that day. Because when anytime you give up anything for the gospel. God has a way of bringing it back. I wish somebody would praise the Lord. Don't worry, Peter. I'm going to take care of you every day you live on this earth. Don't worry, guys. I got you. You gave up that fishing business and you gave up that tax collecting business and you gave up that, you gave up. Don't worry, guys. I will make sure. Yes, yes. Wow. That's what happens when you. Why generosity? Because you invite the floodgates over your life. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of Miracle Offering, Miracle Sunday, November 19th? Many have already started giving because for many, it's already in their thing. They're like, we already got our number. We're giving. All right, give. Never ask a preacher, can I give now? Yes, you can. You don't need to wait. You know, it's like, yeah, go, go for it. Be led of the Lord. Glory to God. Every penny. I don't know if Art and Marlene are here, but... Um, I don't think they're at this service. I, I, I remember us walking through day one and they had a little church hurt. And I said, we'll never touch a penny of miracle offering. You'll never, hear, you'll never see me get up and go, now, I know we designated it for the building, but we need to pay for Nando. Well, <laughs> for five years, not a penny. Not a penny has gone to anything else but that building. When we didn't have a building and we didn't have land and we didn't have prospects, we were just getting ready. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Can I tell you, there's something God wants a lot more than your money and it's your heart. And if you're here today and you never said yes to Jesus, I've been on this adventure now since I was 15 years old, 25 years walking with God since 1999. 98, excuse me. Best decision I ever made is when I said yes to Jesus and no to the devil. Do you know Jesus today? If you don't know Jesus, don't worry about the offering. 
Worry about your soul. Do you know God? If you don't know God, this is your moment. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I'll never push him away. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him. Have you believed in Jesus? If you haven't, this is your moment. I want to lead you in a moment of decision, a moment of surrender. Javen, I need to give my life to Christ today. Let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. I'm going to ask everyone in the room, everyone online, pray this prayer out loud, out loud, everyone together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins for the things I've done. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name.